everybody. Welcome to some and welcome back to others to Word on the Street. For those of you new to this podcast, this space is hosted by the Office of Multicultural Learning to discuss contemporary social issues and other trending topics. Typically, we have our amazing student assistance running this operation, but it's 2020 and adaptability is the theme of the pandemic. For now, you're stuck with professional staff in the office to lead you through this conversation. My name is Burnell Neville. I use he, him, his pronouns, and I serve as the assistant director in the Office of Multicultural Learning, which includes the Rainbow Resource Center. Helping me lead this podcast is Joanna. Hello, everyone. It's Dr. Joanna Thompson, director of the Office for Multicultural Learning, which also includes the Rainbow Resource Center. My pronouns are she, her, hers, or they, them, theirs, and it's great to be back. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the word Latinx. If you did not know, the period from September 15th to October 15th is designated as Latinx Heritage Month in the US. This period was chosen because seven Latin American countries celebrate their independence between September 15th and 17th. The word Latinx has been increasingly used in recent years, particularly in academic spaces. But is it the most appropriate word that we should be using? And how people feel about it? The conversation that you're about to hear was a chat that we had with various students from four different student organizations from Comunidad, which is the title given to the coalition of SCU's predominantly Latinx organizations. We definitely learned a lot and had a lot of fun recording this podcast, so we hope you enjoy this conversation. So we're first to get started, we're going to go around in a circle and introduce ourselves. And Sarah, can you go first? Sure. Uh, my name is Sarah Lopez. Um, I am a senior studying computer science. My pronouns are she, her, hers. Um, my Latinx heritage is, is from Mexico, but I was born in the US, so I'm Mexican American. Um, and I'm representing the Society of Hispanic Professional Engineers, also known as SHIP. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, everyone. My name is Blanca Moncada. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I'm a senior studying ethnic studies and psychology. Um, I, my Latinx heritage, um, my parents immigrated here from Nicaragua, so I'm 100% Nicaraguense, um, but I was born here in the United States, um, and I'm here representing Alpha Pi Sigma Sorority Incorporated, a Latina-based sorority on campus. Thanks, Blanca. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Kimberly. I use she, her, her pronouns. I'm a current senior studying art history and ethnic studies with a minor in Latin American studies. For my Latinx heritage, I am from my mom's side, I'm Mexican, and for my dad's side, he's from El Salvador, but similar to other people, I was born and grew up here in the United States. I'm also representing Alpha Pi Sigma. Thanks, Kimberly. What up, y'all? I'm Danny. Um... I use he, him, his pronouns. I'm a senior electrical engineering major with a minor in sustainability. And my Latinx heritage is, um, both my parents are from Michoacan, Mexico, um, but I grew up here in the US. Thanks, Danny. Um, hello, everyone. I'm Alexa Vega. My pronouns are she, her, hers. Um, I'm a sophomore majoring in neuroscience and minoring in creative writing. And I am Puerto Rican, born and raised, and I'm here to represent the Latinx Student Union. Thanks, Alexa. Excited to have 
all of you here joining us for this conversation. Um, so to, to start open-endedly, um, what is your personal connection to the word Latinx? Do you use it? Why or why not? And when's the first time that you heard that term? So I first heard the term Latinx in college. I didn't know that term existed prior to um, coming to Santa Clara. I also didn't know it existed until I started taking ethnic studies classes my sophomore year. Um, so it was more of a recent term for me. Um, I personally um, now use Latinx uh, whenever like I describe Latinx culture as like in general, um, unless someone tells me like, oh, I go by like Latina or Latino um, or any of those other terms um, to kind of be cognizant of the fact that there could be um, people on different ends of the gender spectrum in the group. And so like being respectful that they might not be from, like, be like, what's the term? Like comfortable with the binary language that is Spanish because Spanish is very binary. Um, so ever since I started learning that, like I learned that term my sophomore year of college, I personally, it's like, that's the main term that I use. Um, and like, I even identify, identify myself as Latinx. Um, if I get called a Latina, that's perfectly fine with me. Um, but yeah, that's basically how Latinx came into my life. So for you, Blanca, fairly recent hearing of this term. Yeah. Uh, same goes for me. Um, sophomore year of college, hit it right on the nose, Blanca. That's just about the time when I started learning about that term. Um, previously, mostly had used uh, Latino and Hispano, and then if I was talking about myself, Mexican. Um, but I, I think one reason a lot of people in the SU community know about the term more is because of the efforts that the Latinx Student Union did um, at the end of my sophomore year to change its name from Mecha Frente, which is a very uh, Mexican Chicano club and a name, even though it was trying to take on the role as the Latinx club, it's sort of fell behind. And part of that reason, part of the reason why was its name was still very much a, a Mexican Chicano uh, reference. So as we started developing into the Latinx Student Union, I think that's when a lot of people started to kind of, I don't, I don't think LSU should take credit for it or I should take credit for it, but that, I think that's helped in some way, <laughs> maybe. We'll see if it's even helpful later in this discussion, but. I mean, that's good cultural context to know of the campus that we are on, having such a prominent organization change its name to include the term Latinx that could easily be part of the reason why there was a shift in language use for our campus constituents. And especially knowing that there's so many countries that are represented at Santa Clara, right? Like even as you all were introducing yourselves, we have so many different regions and areas represented that it's it's important to be more inclusive and not just focus on one one part of the culture, one part of the heritage. So I know as a fellow Nicaraguense, I appreciated that inclusivity <laughs> to be able to feel seen and heard and acknowledged. I think kind of similarly to Danny and Blanca, I heard the term very very recently maybe even more recently because I didn't learn about it until like some months ago like maybe end of junior year and I'm in my senior year now um where like you know I was writing a document and then someone changed the word Latino Latinx and I was like oh huh and then I looked it up um and I found out 
what it was. Um, and so since it's been so recent, uh, I still sometimes will say that I'm Latina just because like, it's not a natural part of my vocabulary yet, but like I am aware of it. And like when I'm writing things that I can like review, I'll change it. Um, but yeah, I think not not a ton of people know about it. I think I saw like an article this morning um, from Pew Research where like only a quarter of the people who could identify as Latinx know the term. Um, but the people who are more likely to know it are uh, people who, who are in college. Um, so about half of the people who could identify as Latinx in college know the term. So I think it's more likely that we'd know it, um, but still not super duper common. That's a valid point that you said that it's something about being in college space. It's all about like learning, opening your mind to new ideas, new terms. So it makes sense why this population of students might be more aware that the term exists. Um, similar to my peers, um, I first heard the term on sanitary campus, but I think I've heard it either my fall quarter or my soft, my winter quarter of my freshman year. I've been taking a lot of Spanish classes for my minor and like Latin American based culture classes for my minor. Um, so I've been familiar with it, I think the longest. Um, and I, when I first heard it, I was like, oh, wow, that's like a really good way of trying to be like inclusive of every, at least like gender wise, being inclusive of of everyone and at first I was a little bit confused because I just had never like I think in my own privilege as a cis-identifying woman I never come to realize that there are people who struggle with those two binaries of the Spanish language so when I first like came to the realization that that was even an issue it really opened my eyes and I was like really keen on trying to use it just because I was trying to be like more inclusive of everyone around me um but similar to Sarah uh I've I've only heard it on like academic college spaces. A lot of my own friends who are like quote unquote college educated use it. But in my own family where we're a Spanish speaking family, like Latino comes up, even in like Spanish media, like I watch the news in Spanish, they still don't use Latinx, even though they're the news is supposed to be like a, a source for, you know, like new and intriguing things. Um, so even in like Spanish media itself and Spanish mainstream culture, it's still a very new and I guess like even taboo thing to be talking about. Yeah, it's such a good point. And it's actually <laughs> another question that we have for you all later in our discussion and in our chat. But, you know, just so curious to see later when we talk about like the generational differences, right? Because I know when I say it around my mom, she's like, what? Like, eh, Latinx, huh? Like she has no idea like <laughs> what I'm talking about. And so I'd be interested. I didn't even think of the media representation part that like you don't even hear it in a lot of Spanish media or just in like popular culture yet. And as far as that, so I'm skipping ahead to questions, but I'm, I'm so excited. Can't wait to get to that question. <laughs> I wanted to add, like everyone else, I've only heard it used in SCU, but like back home, because I come from like a Spanish speaking country um, and we were all the same, like they, we were all like Puerto Rican, there were no Americans. We rarely use Latino or Latina, like we were all like the same. So for me now, like it was now, it was different because I introduced myself as a Latina and then I was introduced to the term Latinx. So it was like a like like a shock or a surprise to come to SCU, be introduced as a Latina woman, and then be introduced to the term Latinx. 
Yeah, that's such an interesting point too. I mean, when we think about all of the different countries that we represent and that we're from, you know, I think it's important to note, even for this podcast, that we're coming from a very American perspective, right? That we're talking about our identities in this kind of United States context, but outside of that, it looks different and the labels are different, the terms are different. And that's such an interesting point to, I think for all of us, again, the countries that we represent, we probably wouldn't be using these terms or using different terms or similar terms. So it's very interesting. Well, thank you all for sharing your responses to that question. As we continue to think about, you know, the term Latinx and going off of what Kimberly mentioned in terms of outside of this academic setting, thinking about the relationships that you have with your families and your friends and other social circles, how much would you say that the la the term Latinx is even used? Do you hear it frequently, infrequently? Yeah, super infrequently for me. Um, I think the only time the word Latinx comes out is when I'm saying it. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, uh, from from my town and I guess my part of the country, it's it's predominantly Mexican. I mean, I remember when I was younger, I was just so surprised that most uh, Latinx people outside of my area, when when someone say like, "Oh, it's a lot of people from Cuba and Florida," I'm like, "Huh? It's not Mexicans out there too?" I didn't know. I just didn't know that. I thought it. That's what I thought, and and I that I think that just speaks to how not prevalent the the kind of homogeneous latinx identity is once you start getting into the actual communities that come from these countries um you know for us like college students we tend to gravitate towards that because it's a it's kind of like a source of power in a way but back at home like like most of us had said not as much and <laughs> i guess I'm, I'm saying most of us but y'all haven't even got a chance to add so my bad speak your own truth <laughs> I think like going off of Danny um back home I'm not even home I live in Santa Clara right now but like back home like when I go back home to the 209 to the Central Valley um it's not as common to use the word like Latinx or even Latina or Latino um because where I'm from everyone that is Latinx is Mexican. So for me, it's like I've gotten used to being one of few that aren't Mexican. And like, for me, that's my own struggle. Cause like whenever I enter a space, unless I make it known that I'm not Mexican, people automatically assume I am, um, which is a struggle in and of itself or people aren't as aware that there are other countries other than Mexico. Because I remember one time in my Spanish class in high school, I took Spanish, easy A, right? Even though Spain Spanish is different than like different countries Spanish. Um, someone told me that Nicaragua is a state in Mexico. And I was like, you think I would know where Nicaragua is? So it's always been a struggle with me to try to like balance that. Um, so it's like, the main terms that I would hear is like Mexican or like Chicano, Chicana. Um, so it's like I didn't get into college until like I mainly started using like one Latinx when I learned about it or like Latino or Latina. Um, and even here at SU, like I still have like had difficulty navigating spaces like comunidad as someone that's like 
not Mexican. Um, no shade to like my Mexican friends. Love you. Love the culture. Love everything about it. But it's like, like even like Danny knows like my struggles of like being in like Mecha and then not being in Mecha and then like tr like trying to find my own space as someone that's not Mexican on campus when it's like the Latinx community is already such a small community on campus. And then like within it is a divide of like Mexicans and like not Mexican people. Um, so I think it's, um, it's definitely weird trying to navigate these terms um, and trying to like make ourselves like present and like, like Danny said, like that power of like being like Latinx or like identifying yourself as Latinx or something. Um, but like within our own community, like balancing like the power dynamic, I guess, of like Mexican and not Mexican. I was gonna say Mexican versus non-Mexican, but it's like not like an attack thing, but it's like, I don't know, I can't speak. It's nine in the morning, y'all. <laughs> um, but basically, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think it goes back to the American context, right? That when we're all in school learning about like the history of these different countries, I mean, I don't remember learning about Central American countries or even like the only South American country was Brazil. Like, <laughs> like that's all you know. So, I mean, the fact that, you know, all of us are socialized to only know of Mexico, like, of course, people are going to assume that we're all Mexican because there's no other option, right? Like, it's it's sad that we're all kind of socialized to see and view like Latin heritage or Hispanic heritage as kind of this one-sided thing where again we all represent like so many different communities and each of our countries are, are so different. I know from for speaking from my perspective as someone who's not Latinx identified as, as a Black person um, I it's interesting hearing about that divide within the community because I know outside of the community like there are un unfortunate times where people just lump everyone as Mexican identified and that's something that happens not just within like community happens outside of it as well. So that was very interesting hearing you unpack that, Blanca. I think for me, the first time that I, I think was exposed to Latinx being on a college campus was because I think it was the first time that I was really in a space where the Latinx identity was again beyond Mexican. I, I come from Napa, which is already like pretty white, but the like Latinx majority there is Latino being the, or sorry, Mexican being the second biggest like ethnic demographic. But when I think about, and I, I saw this really interesting point that when you think about like Latino, Latinx people, sorry, I'm like confusing myself. When you think about Latinx people, they're very proud of like to say where they're from specifically. Like my mom's like, I'm very Mexican. Or like, I've been doing this research project on Ecuador and they're all like, we're proud to be from Ecuador. Like everyone is very country or very happy to be proud of their specific country but once you like once we're in the the space of the United States that has a lot of these identities kind of enclosed in one space you kind of all group them together as Latin egg but when you step outside of the U.S. there's like into at least these their own countries they identify as like their own single country so I think that's why a lot of us first heard it on SEU campus because that was the first time where we had like I guess like a diaspora quote-unquote diaspora where there was like the first time that like at least for me like there was a non there was people outside of Mexico that were part of the Latinx identity um so I thought that 
that's what I've been thinking about. And it makes me wonder like the impact of that, right? Like when we use terms like people of color, for example, and how it takes away from the individual stories when we use the term Latinx, like, yeah, it's being inclusive, but we also don't want to take away that Mexico is different from Nicaragua, is different from Puerto Rico, different from Cuba, different from all of these countries. And it, it makes me think of, yeah, like people who, who don't use it, like, are they <laughs> not necessarily not trying to be inclusive, but are they trying to maintain their individualism and their nationality? I just wonder if it's like a, a sign of resistance. <laughs> add something to what Kimberly said um like back home um because of the elections coming up we're having like a lot of discussion I don't know if you guys know about the problem in Puerto Rico with the with getting like the statehood or becoming an independent country it's like we have this like major discussion of should we become a state or should we not and I feel like that really impacts the identity because a lot of people want to become United States citizens, even though we are, but like actually get recognized as a state. And some people are like, no, we want to cut off types completely. And I think like recently it's been coming up a lot in conversation. It's made me think like, oh, even if we become a state, we're still Latino. We're still Latinx, sorry. We're still like um, Puerto Rican. So like, I feel like that has like made like a really big divide in our country. Because I feel like the people who want the independency think that if we become a state, it'll take away from us being Puerto Rican, which I feel like it shouldn't. But like, I don't know. I feel like that was a really interesting conversation that's been brought up recently. So something that I want to add. Oh, hi, everyone. I'm Natalie Medina. She, her, hers. I'm a sophomore. I'm a bio and public health double major with a Spanish minor. I'm... I'm, I say that I'm Mexicana because I'm always like going to Mexico um, and I just like feel like my heart is from there. So yeah, and then the organization that I represent is LSU and I am glad to be here. So what I want to add <laughs> uh, to this is that when I learned about Latinx, um, it was in high school uh, because I did not even know, like, anything other than, like, Mexicanos, because my parents will always say, oh, like, that person's Mexi Mexican, that person's Mexican and stuff, and, like, they wouldn't use anything else. Um, I didn't know any other term, um, like, even to this day, like, I remember the other day, my mom, she's, she's like, oh, like, she asked this one girl if she was Mexican, and then my mom, like, no, mom, like, you need to ask, like, if she's Latina, because there's, like different communities out there. And so, and then like my dad, he said himself, he's like, yeah, you, you need to ask that if she's Latina, not Mexican, because there are like, what, um, like Puerto Ricans or people from Chile and stuff. So they're like, you know, yeah, you need to like generalize it and like um, include everyone. And so like, yeah, it's still going on today, but like now like we're getting a little bit more of um, how to include everyone. I remember like when I was in high school, like I also made the mistake because um, I was talking to one of my friends and then because my my group of friends were very um, from pretty much from all Latinos, like um, so Latinx. And so I remember once I, I also thought like we were all like Mexican and I didn't know. And so I'm like, I asked, I'm like, oh yeah, like I told my friend, I'm like, yeah, you're like, you're Mexican. And he's like, no, I'm not Mexican. I was like, 
I'm like, oh, like, and like, what are you? And then he like told me that um, he was from Chile. So I was like, oh, I'm like, oh, okay. Like, see, like I made the mistake. But then like that moment, I realized that there was like many other ones, like other people. And so I was like, oh, okay. So like, I need to also like um, use Latinos and Latinas. So then other than that, like I started also getting involved on campus. I I was Ellis, I was part of LSU as well on campus. And then that's when I like realized more. I was like, oh, okay, let me see. Like everything's making sense now. It's connecting. So yeah, it was it was a nice experience to like realize um that moment that there was other people other than Mexicanos. So yeah. Thank you so much for sharing, Natalie, and welcome to the conversation. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, just to add on a little bit to what everybody said, um, yeah, I think it's a pretty common experience that we don't really hear the term Latinx used super as much, except by like, you know, some some publications that try to be a little bit more like progressive um, or in college spaces. Um, I don't remember where I read this, so sorry, I can't say it, but I think the term Latinx was first like spotted in a Puerto Rican psychology like journal that was like trying to like challenge the gender binary. Um, and I think one of like the sad ironies of the word is that it came from Puerto Rico, but like people associate it with Mexico all the time. Um, and I very much acknowledge like the privilege that I have in, in being Mexican and that I can say that I'm Latinx and people will automatically understand that and they'll they'll know some of the holidays as well. Like they'll recognize Dia de los Muertos, they'll recognize, well, not a lot of people recognize Mexican independence, which is in September, um, but Dono Cinco de Mayo which is not as much of a highlight. But anyways, that's another conversation. Um, but people will just know parts of Mexican culture already with the term Latinx, um, but not everybody who identifies as it gets to have. That's such a good point. I know Brunel and I, we were having a conversation about like the history of Latinx and trying to figure out, was it academics who started it? Was it queer people who started it? Because I know that we both, had realized that after the Pulse nightclub shooting had happened in Orlando, Florida, you know, the term was being used a lot more to be able to represent the various communities that were affected, but we were still kind of like, but was it before that? Like it had to have been around before then. And so I'd, I've never even heard that it was potentially from Puerto Rico. So I need to look into that to see more about that. That's really fascinating to me. And we have another person in the conversation. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Jackie. I use she, her, hers pronouns. I am finally a fourth year studying marketing and business analytics as my minor. Um, I am Mexican-American. My parents are both immigrants from Durango, so represent. And today I am here representing the Latinx Business Student Association, or better known as LBSA. So thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. And so what I found fascinating as everyone's going out sharing the last few questions is this common theme of many of you finding out, hearing of this term for the first real time, like in like the academic or college context. I know that I think now I'm going to be out live hearing about it in high school. I think um, outside of that, I think everyone heard about it in college for the first time. And so as you all noted, there's spaces where you hear it used, spaces where you don't hear it used. Um, and I'm sure there's like 
not arguments, but perspectives on both sides of that conversation. Um, so when you think about the people who lean in and do use that term, um, yourselves included possibly, what are the um, perspectives that you hear for people who use it of why it's important that they use it? I mean, like I kind of touched on this at the beginning, but like for me and I think for like some of like my peers, friends, colleagues, whatever terms we use, um, I think we use it to um, acknowledge that like Spanish is a very binary language. Like all of our languages are either like masculine or feminine as like they like describe it. Um, and it's like to acknowledge that like not everyone like identifies within that binary. And there are people who are transgender. There are people who are gender non-conforming, gender fluid, gender non-binary. And it's to acknowledge that like some people don't want to identify within like the gender language that is Spanish and it's like to make them feel like included to make them feel welcome within the community it's like Latinx it's like to make sure that everyone within the space feels welcome and it's like it's like one step that like we can do as people like as like some of us may identify in this like chat as like people who are like within that binary maybe not all of us do but it's like to acknowledge that like there are people within like our classroom spaces within each of the clubs or organizations that we're a part of that don't identify within the binary and it's to make sure that they feel included because for everything else it's like it's either feminine masculine so it's like giving them a space to be like you are seen you are heard and like we respect you within this community and like to kind of create that conversation of how can we as like a Latinx community to make sure that everyone feels included within this space. And uh, a follow-up question, not necessarily just to Blanca, but to everybody, can you talk more about what does that mean that Spanish is an example of, of a gendered language? Because I, I feel that, um, I think I might have understand what you're trying to say, but make sure for our listeners, if they don't know what that means, better understand that. Hi, uh, I can talk a little bit more about that. So when we say gendered language, um, a lot of the times you'll hear um, us using like, oh, we use, that's like a masculine version of a word or something like, for example, the chair in Spanish, I'll be la silla, which means because it ends with the A, like in Latina, it's feminine. Whereas like other words that end with the, with the letter O, that's masculine. And I think it's really important to also bring up, I guess, how, I guess, sexist, like Spanish itself is because you can have a group of a hundred women or, or feminine identifying people. And even like, and you'll, you'll um, refer to them as like a yes, because you'll use the feminine. However, the moment that even one man joins the group then all of a sudden you're expected to refer to that entire group as ellos and you're expected to use the masculine. And I think I remember when I was first teaching myself Spanish when I was little and I heard this example that my teacher was saying and I was like, are you kidding me? I feel like that is such a strong indication of saying that, of showing just how like how much sexism is still embedded within our own language. And I think that in itself is a good indication of why we should at least not use the word Latino. But I think by using Latinx, that's just the next step beyond that. 
and making sure that we are even more inclusive of, you know, those that are non-binary. So, yes. And I just want to say for our listeners, even though you cannot see our faces right now, there were so many snaps with what Jackie had said. You can probably feel <laughs> as you're listening to this, the, the, the vibes in our, in our Zoom room right now. <laughs> Let's go, Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, don't, oh, Kimberly, you go ahead. My bad. No, I just wanted to go on a small side tangent about like Spanish being a gender language just because I have taken I have taken language classes in French and German so Spanish being really of two genders is really one of the most like unique aspects of the language I guess just because at least in German there's feminine and masculine but they also have like a neutral in the middle term um so when I first encountered French and German and there wasn't just two genders I was like really confused that they had like a third or even fourth like for gender or non-gender um so I get, going back to Jackie's point like that's really telling of like the Spanish language and it really goes into like Spanish being a very like sexist culture yeah and I think kind of building on the concept of like gendered words and like languages um okay, this is not a like an academic source at all but I saw TikTok <laughs> of someone that just likes languages um, and they were looking at how different languages were like gender different words differently. Like the word bridge is masculine and some feminine and some and that affects the language that surrounds the word bridge. So it'll make the difference between like people of a certain language describing a bridge as like strong and sturdy and people of other languages describing a bridge as like elegant and beautiful. Um, so I think like, even though we don't really think about the gendering of words that much, it really affects like our perspective of them. And also how they're represented in art, like sometimes death is male or masculine and in a painting that is about death, it'll be represented as a woman or a man, um, conversely. Um, and I think uh, Blanca and Jackie touched really well on like logistically, like the term Latinx and like what it, what it communicates. But I think too, like an argument for using the term if you don't, use it already in your life or in your organization um, is that it it can communicate to people that you're making an active effort to try to include people and to try to educate yourself um, because sometimes the people who who don't use Latinx aren't yet caught up to speed um, and you know sometimes the cultures themselves can be very unwelcoming to different identities um, so I think it's important to kind of you know have that flag of like hey um, you're maybe safer here than you would be in other spaces obviously it doesn't necessarily mean that but it means that at least someone there is making some sort of effort to try to include people which is something that means a lot in a world where not everybody does i think i really appreciate that point sarah that like even the words themselves are used to communicate like the subtext and context of the words sometimes communicates just as much as the actual word itself that's really powerful sharing that Danny, do you want to say something? Uh, you unmuted earlier. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I just, I just, it sounds like the, the strengths of the word Latinx is usually in, not usually, overall in, in the assistance that it gives in, in helping to degender that kind of identity. I think that's its prime strength in, in, in that area more than anything. Well, I'm curious for our next question that we have for you all, as we 
especially as many of us are kind of throwing out the generational gaps and, you know, the fact that some communities, many of the communities that we're part of don't even use the term Latinx. When we think of the word Hispanic, in your opinion, what are the differences between the word Latinx and Hispanic? So one thing real quick is that um, I, I don't remember where I saw this, but the majority of people that could identify as, as Latinx usually identify themselves, if not their own home country, as Hispanic. Um, so uh, some, some of my other colleagues can probably get into the, you know, the actual differences between the two in terminology. Jackie's looking real ready to go. But yeah, I just wanted to put that one out. Yeah, so I could talk a little bit more about this again. If I'm wrong, someone please just tell me to stop talking and interrupt at any point. So Hispanic is meant to describe anyone who um, has origins from a Spanish speaking country. And what this means that it excludes countries like Brazil, even though they are in Latin America, but it includes countries like Spain. And you could see how this could be a little bit problematic. Whereas Latinx is Latinx slash Latino, Latina, all the above. As long as it includes that Latin aspect of the word, um, that is meant to describe anyone who has origins in Latin America. So in that sense, it will include Brazil, but exclude um, people that are coming from Spain. Jackie came through with the receipts and the definitions, just so you are aware. <laughs> and, you know, it's very interesting, too, just thinking of these differences, because it's a census year, right? Like, I wonder how many people even know these differences when they're filling out the census, because I don't know how many of you all filled out the census, but it was... It wasn't what I expected it to be in terms of options for race, ethnicity, and the way that they have it even lined out is very interesting, but that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> I think like going off of Jackie, like it's important to like understand the difference between those terms, because I know like with my parents, like I have a lot of conversations because like they like like to identify themselves as Hispanic and I'm over here like Latinx. Um and like my sister and I identify ourselves as like Latino or Latinx and they still identify themselves as Hispanic. And so it's like, we try to have those conversations, but like also acknowledging like the difference between like my sister and I who are US born citizens and my parents who immigrated to the United States. And so it's like that kind of like gap because it's like, we, like my sister and I like, we have like arguments with our parents like well it's different we immigrated here and it's like acknowledging their struggles but also acknowledging our struggles of like yes but we're making our names here as like the first generation to like be born and raised here in the United States that's a whole different podcast I can go on for like two hours about that <laughs> but we're not going to um but it's like acknowledging like the definitions and the meanings of those words because like for example I identify myself as Latinx I don't identify myself as Hispanic it's like kind of like I don't like identifying myself as Hispanic because in my head it gives power back to colonizers it's like I don't want to give power to the colonizers when they already like wiped away all of our power and we're trying to regain that and we've been trying to regain that for years in each of our countries so it's like I identify myself as Latinx to kind of give that power back to Nicaragua and give that power back to the community that was like wiped away and taken from us 
back when Spain and Portugal decided to try to colonize our countries. Um, and like, I think that's important to bring up too, because a Latinx heritage month and it's like all of our countries or most of our countries have already celebrated our independence days. Um, so it's like acknowledging that like we're trying to give power back to our countries and power back to our people that like these colonizers took away from us um, so many years ago. And just one thing I want to add, it's so interesting that the alternative to Hispanic is, you know, Latin X. It's just so weird that Latin, you know, as a language has nothing to do with the region of Latin America. And maybe someone can can touch on this real quick. I just, it feels like the two alternatives both still point to Europe in some way, which is really interesting to me. I actually have some opinions on this, but I feel like this might tie in to a later question. So I'll be happy to share my, my piece on this. Jackie, I think you should come through with the receipts again. Lay it out for our listeners. <laughs> you want me to talk about it now? Yeah. Okay, so while I think the word Latinx is great in the sense that um, it is trying to be a lot more inclusive for those who are non-binary, I think we shouldn't try to like push this as the only word to use to describe those descending from Latin America because that excludes those who are indigenous, like that excludes indigenous communities that live in Latin America. That excludes those who have African origins, you know? And I feel like those two groups in particular have already had so much, like have have had so many trials and tribulations with their own self-identity just because of like language. And I think, although Latinx is great for those who are non-binary, I think, it it serves as a big problem that it still excludes those groups ha- that have been excluded from our language this entire time. So I think, again, Latinx is going in the right direction. However, I think if we really care about being inclusive, then we need to use something that just gets rid of the Latin aspect in, in its entirety. But I know that's really controversial um, for many people, but yeah, I just think that we should, if we really care about being inclusive, we should have those conversations. That's my piece. I think that like, sorry, Jackie, sorry. Um, but it's like, I think that points to like a bigger issue within our community that like, um, a lot of people, not all of us, but like a lot of people like forget that like Latinx people aren't just like like the people forget that there are indigenous people in our communities, that there are black people in our communities. And I think that's, so I'm gonna I'm a rant, I'm gonna get heated. Um, but it's like, I think a lot of people forget about that. That it's like, yes, like our community has struggles, but we can't forget that like, by like centering our struggles, you're forgetting the struggles that indigenous people had. Like, they, like the colonizers enslaved the indigenous people of our lands and like, the struggles that they have had for so many years and like also the fact that like when like we talk about the struggles of our community we don't center the voices of black and indigenous folks in our community and it's just like you are part of the problem like you're erasing the struggles that these people have like jackie said indigenous and black people have far so many more struggles than like for example i do and it's like also like something that pisses me off sorry for my language pisses me off is that like 
when people try to identify themselves as indigenous because they have traces of indigenous blood in them, I'm like, yes, many of us have indigenous blood, but we are not indigenous. And it's like them trying to, and that also erases the struggles of indigenous people because it's like you are trying to like claim a culture that isn't yours. You're trying to claim a struggle that isn't yours. People who are actually indigenous, live the culture, breathe the culture, have been raised in that culture, know the struggles. You are just claiming it for clout and it pisses me off. Sorry, I rambled, don't know where the hell I was going with that. But it's like, Jackie just like made me think about that when like we were, she was talking about the term Latinx and like how that doesn't like acknowledge like the indigenous and black people in our community. Not that you need a man to say this ever to you, Blanca, but never apologize for your opinions. Like, you should <laughs> do not feel bad about feeling. Thanks for now. Yes, again, just wanted this to be said. And uh, thank you both, Jackie and Blanca, for sharing that. Kind of segues into our, our last question, as we've already been unpacking a little bit. Uh, in your opinions, and based on your own lived experiences, your identities, your communities, should the term Latinx be the dominant default? And if not that term, what alternatives could exist out there? To be used. Yeah, I think Blanca and Jackie covered pretty well about like the harms that the word Latinx can have. Um, especially as like, you know, even if you if you are Afro-Latino or Afro-Latinx um, or you know are of indigenous descent and you identify as Latinx, um, you know, like white skin always dominates the narrative. Um, so people will always associate it with with that image um, instead of instead of who they are. Um, in the same way that when someone says American, you think of a white person <laughs> when American can look so in so many different like appearances. Um, but yeah, and I think too to kind of add to the conversation of like how a Latinx can like erase um, like heritage and stuff like that. Um, recently, like I did a 23 me where it just like tells you about like genetic heritage and stuff. Um, and so I was just expecting, like, you know, Mexico, probably Spain, because I'm super pale. Um, so clearly I have a lot of colonizer genetics in me um, and a lot of that privilege. Um, but, like, I also noticed that there was, it said that I was, like, 20% Chinese, um, which I did not see coming from, from anywhere at all. Um, and so I looked into it, and I was like, how how could this be? Um, and, and I guess it turned out that when Spain came to Mexico, they brought um, East Asian people as you know. I don't I don't know if it was slavery, if it was like servant. I'm not super sure technically what the relationship was. Um, but they brought East Asian people to Mexico, um, particularly to like the northern region of Mexico. So like my family's from Chihuahua, which is like right right below the border. It's like right there. Um, so because I'm kind of like from that Northern area, it's more likely that I may have some sort of East Asian ancestor, um, that I never knew about. And, you know, there could be people in Mexico who are really strong, like East Asian descendants, um, who identify as Latinx and you would never, ever associate, you know, that term with someone that looks like them necessarily. And that's, that's not really fair to them. Um, so I think like in terms of alternatives, um, we might you know, I don't know if we need another separate word because we have a lot of words and, you know, it may take a while to spread the knowledge of that word um, or if we just all need to be more conscious and aware of just how complicated heritage is in our world and what it means to be from a country that's in Latin America and how different that is from 
you know, saying that you belong to like another country in Latin America. And I think it does take like a really strong active effort to try to even like begin to explore the intricacies of the word and of heritage in general. Um, I want to bounce off that really quickly. I want to bring a really interesting point. So I talked about, so I've been doing this application for this research project in Ecuador. And so even in like a country like Ecuador, that's literally in Latin America, there have been a lot of, just because Ecuador has a very diverse population, I think, I can't remember off the top of my head, but a grand majority of the population is indigenous. There's a lot of Afro, Afro, indigenous, mestizos. There's a huge mix of people, just there's a non-white majority. So there's been a lot of struggles in Ecuador for like the notion of like identity, especially with indigenous populations. And indigenous populations over there actually have to lobby for like the census over there for in the census for each indigenous group to get their own representation instead of being grouped as a sole indigenous grouping you know so like even in latin america themselves each of these countries especially some of them that are like really diverse because i think we forget at least i i like forget or i I guess a lot of people okay people just forget that latin america itself is very diverse we're not a homogeneous group like even like looking at us i obviously the people on the podcast can't see us but looking at us on the zoom call like we're a very like diverse group of people just like looking at us so like in latin america there's a lot of like like i have a mentor she's like half peruvian and half chinese and she's like a lot of people forget that there's like going back to share like there's a big chunk of like asian asian people um, located in latin america so i think there needs to be some sort of like I don't think a term is going to fix it. I think terms or some sort of, I think terms because it's just like there's too much just because of the history of colonization and stuff like that. There's too much to encompass in one word. I think like one word trying to draw on the different experiences of each group is just, it's going to fall short. Like we see that with Latinx, like it's great, but it's not there. So I think like, even like with gender, we saw that there's only two gender pronouns, but like that was enough for everyone. And that's okay. Like we need more. So I think in Latin America, we're seeing how like, even like identifying as like their own country, like, oh, I'm Ecuadorian, but I'm more than Ecuadorian. We have, we, I think by looking at like these, I guess, quote unquote case studies, I think we, we have to realize that there needs to be more than one term and there needs to be terms, terms that are like inclusive of each identity present in Latin America, not just the, the standard or not just European descendants and like the indigenous there's also different indigenous groups. There's also Afro-Indigenous. There's Mestiz. There's literally everything you can think of, which I think is really beautiful. But I think there also needs to be a better way of representing all of these identities. Because if we group everything in Latinx, we forget about these people. These people are kind of fringed on. They're kind of the fr- fringes. They're kind of like pushed out. Not pushed out. But the identity doesn't encompass the, the beauty and diversity that is present in Latin America. Based on what Kimberly and, and Sarah had said, I think maybe one potential alternative that we can go for is kind of like how in a lot of ways we've hyphenated our national identities. So for me, Mexican-American, maybe in some way we could kind of have a similar idea for our uh, racial and ethnic identity within Latinx. Like we already know the term Afro-Latinx, right? What if, I mean, maybe it's an alternative that we do something similar for the racial identities that also fit in within Latinx. So maybe we could normalize the terms of like, I am 
mestisex latinx i am indigenous latinx it sounds weird now but if if we if it would be too much of an uphill battle to completely throw out the term latinx that might be a way to really point to the diversity the especially racial diversity because while latinx is really inclusive on the on the gender aspect it's erases a lot of people on the racial aspect if we can throw in throw in is kind of a rough way of saying it, but if we can add in like a, kind of like a, a and not what is it a recognition of the racial diversity into the term latinx that might be a way to do it yeah Danny, i think you bring up a really good point that um you know definitely the terms that we have now aren't really satisfactory um and i think you know maybe along with any potential change to terminology or identifiers we need like a really really strong and active effort to get people up to speed on like what all the different word means and what it means to you know the difference between some being from Latin America and immigrating to the United States in your lifetime or just having someone in your past like ancestry who did um because there's a lot of differences even within the term Mexican American uh between people who moved from Mexico in their lifetime um and people like me who their parents moved from Mexico to the United States um and like I face a very different you know array of experiences than my parents do because I don't I don't really have an accent. I can speak English fluently um and I cannot and that that changes your life in a lot of different ways. Um and not everyone is like super conscious of like just how something that seems like a small difference um which is like an accent um can actually make a huge impact on your life and your lived experiences um and the level of privilege that you can experience. So I agree with everyone that we do need like a new term but like for right now meanwhile we do like get those terms i feel like latinx is better than latino and because it's more inclusive and just i i just want to say that and point out that um it is better um because it like i just said like it's more inclusive so yeah i think meanwhile um we do get go to the next step and find other terms um it is better than latino so Right yeah it sounds like we shouldn't maybe get so ahead and leave the people themselves who would identify with these terms behind like my parents just still saying oh somos hispanos and I'm over here like no ma you're you're mestizo latinx like chill out <laughs> like in in that case are we really it, it's an interesting uh facet of this discussion Yeah, and there's so many implications, right? It's generational, it's nationalism compared, you know, when we compare each of our countries and our heritages and our cultures, it's age, you know, it's it's so many different things and even the terms that we use, I mean, it has an impact politically, socially, culturally, like the words that we use in the language are so powerful and and so important that moving forward whatever terms we use there's going to be some sort of you know consequence in some way um but you know as much as we would love to continue this conversation we know that the day needs to to carry on but we do appreciate you all for being a part of this conversation for sharing your experiences 
as Latinx identified folks. I know Brunel and I had a great time listening to your stories and listening to your experiences. I hope we can get to do this again. Like maybe this could be a yearly thing that we just have a Latinx podcast. Like why not? I think it's, especially as we talk about how terms are always changing, maybe we should like revisit this term (laughs) frequently because who knows, maybe next year there's going to be a new term. Um, So we appreciate you all and I hope you all have a great day. We really hope that you enjoyed the episode. Feel free to explore our library of other topics ranging from Coachella and cultural appropriation to Cambodian refugee migration. If you have any ideas for future episodes, we'd love to hear them. You can send us an email at oml.su.edu with any topic ideas. Word on the street is that you can also stop by various virtual programs that OML and RSC will be hosting throughout the fall quarter. Make sure to follow OML and RSC on social media for details about upcoming programs. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.